Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my special guest, Jim Bogus. I almost said bogus, but bogus would not work well in the industry that Jim is an expert. Jim is the president CEO of Verity Search, which is a premier recruiting firm that specializes in the mortgage banking industry. Jim, welcome. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for uh, taking the time. You and I have been trying to set this up for like the past 30 days. Yeah, and, we have. Uh, we have. We finally got our schedules to align, the stars to align. And um, you know, what I want to do is I want to pick your brain for all of our mortgage professionals that tune in and listen. Okay. I'm sure a lot of what we're going to talk about may even spill over into uh, other financial sectors. Mm -hmm. um, but you are, for the past 30 years, you have been and you still are a professional recruiter. That's right. Okay. You are that guy that is needed as much as you're loathed. That's correct. What is that like? Uh, it's an interesting place to be. Um, you know, I guess if you're on my side of the fence, you love me. And if you're on the other side of the fence, you don't. So uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Well, you're kind of like the police. You're only loved when you're needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not to get too political and too into like today's societal movements. But yeah. Yeah, that's the first thing that I thought of. Whenever a recruiter calls, I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, it's how quick can I get the person off the phone? How can mm -hmm. I get them not to call me again? Except for when I need them. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my God, where's that person's phone number? Because mm -hmm. I need to hire quickly. I should have been hiring 90 days ago. Um, so today, if, if, it's, if it's all right with you, and I'm pretty sure it is because we talked about this before uh, we clicked uh, on on the cameras and mm -hmm. on on the mics. I want to pick your brain. I want to get some some good advice for the listeners, whether you're in need of a recruiting firm because your company that you represent uh, is in dire need of talent, mm -hmm. um, or maybe even describe why it would be advisable for someone to have a relationship with a recruiter, even if it's not needed. Okay, good question. So I think we have to sort of take that dynamic and turn it around. Okay. okay. Uh, Recruiting is not the, – the companies I work with, I don't work with my clients from a vendor standpoint. I work with my clients more from a relationship standpoint. So if you're always on the hunt for the best talent, if you're always wanting to know about the next best group of talent or opportunity or production teams, uh, it pays to have a good relationship with somebody who's connected on a national scale. When I call somebody like you, I'm not calling you to recruit you necessarily out of the gate. I'm calling you to build a relationship. Because, Dustin, what's going to happen is at some point in your career, you're potentially, hopefully not, but potentially may get to a point where you need to make a move, right? And when that time comes, you're going to rely on a very short list of people that you trust. I just want to be on that list. Uh, it also makes sense to talk to someone like me because I'm sort of like the uh, sports agent for a mortgage player, right? I, my job is to find you the best deal that maximizes your value, gives you the quality of life, hits all the buttons that are important to you, whatever those are. So with my understanding of all of the various platforms, you know, I know 20, 25 different platforms, I may or may not be able to you know, put you into a situation that is a best fit for you or best fit for someone else um here's a question for you why do people typically leave 
Uh, that's a good question. I was on a podcast a few days ago and I was asked this question. Um, I would say if you want to keep recruiters off of your people, uh, appreciate them. It's not always about monetary gain. It's about appreciation. It's about uh, recognition. It's about encouragement. Um, you know, people want recognition. They want to feel valued. And if you don't make your fe- people feel valued, uh, there's a bunch of other companies that are going to make them feel loved, you know. So that's that's probably the most important thing is invest in your people. It's relationships, both, both emotionally as well as technically. Right. It's relationships. It's relationships in the company. It's relationships in the industry. It's everything's relationships. If I were out and looking to recruit, now it doesn't have necessarily be sales, right? It could be I'm I'm trying to recruit <clears throat> um, operational staff, sales support staff. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm at a point in my career that I don't feel like I am at a point where I can afford the services of a company like yours, or maybe I have not experienced enough to value the services. What's something that you could give a recommendation for a person to do on their own if they were to try to rec- uh, recruit on their own? It, it depends what discipline we're talking about. Okay. So are we talking about production and salespeople? Are we talking about operations? Uh- yeah, um, let's go with uh, production and salespeople. I'm a brand new producing branch manager, right? Mm-hmm. I've been a loan officer in the industry for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I want more out of my career. I think I want to lead. I think I want to manage. Mm-hmm. So I found uh, maybe my current employer or, or a new employer gave me an opportunity to become a branch manager. Mm-hmm. But all the recruiting falls on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Without giving away too many of your trade secrets. Sure, sure. What, what are a couple just... You know, elevator advice. Like if you and I rode an elevator together and you didn't know me, but you knew I was going to go out and try to recruit, what are two or three things you would tell me to make sure I was on the right track? Yeah. I mean, it's not a secret sauce really, Dustin. It's, it is, it, again, it comes back to relationships, building relationships, being networked in your community, get involved, get outside of your comfort zone, go to the association meetings, go meet people, have a drink with somebody, uh, you know, drink vats of coffee with potential loan officers, uh, Approach them in a way that you're not necessarily trying to recruit them uh, over a 30-minute cup of coffee, but that you're just trying to understand their business, build relationships. Again, you want to be on that short list. There will come a time when they have to make a move, when and you want to be on that list. That's all it is. It's a matter of being at the right place at the right time. But if you're not spidered out and networked out, you're not even going to be thought of. I absolutely love that answer. Um, and in my professional life, I've had... Um, Decent success being able to recruit and grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, my two partners and I, it's going to be a tad bit braggadocious, but we were able to grow from one office with it was basically the three of us, a processor and assistant, mm-hmm. to six offices and 100 associates, really without recruiting, quote unquote recruiting, mm-hmm. as a lot of people, I think, attribute recruiting to be. Right. And and I would go to national conferences or I'd go to corporate meetings and, and I would get cornered and people how do you do it? How do you do it? Mm-hmm. And it comes back to what you just said. I do it because I'm actively involved in my community. My community in the mortgage bankers community. Sure. I go to those meetings. Mm-hmm. I make friends. I have conversations. I am who I am. So what you get is what you see. And I get to know people. Mm-hmm. And, and I leave it with this. Hey, by the way, if you ever want to learn more about my business or my company or how we support our loan officers, let me know. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying to getting, getting to know you, 
And I'm not going to try to vomit all over you with some kind of a sales pitch, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to hide from the fact that, um, yes, we're looking to grow and we're looking for a few good men and women. And if that happens to be you, fantastic. Let's talk about it. doesn't hurt that you have a personality either. No, that doesn't you hurt. Know? I mean, it, it, uh, honestly, you, you, there, there has to be some sort of a charisma about the, the, the sales recruiter. You, you, you have to be somebody that somebody looks at and says, there's something about that guy. There's something I want to work with. He's got this energy. What well, is it? Um, if anyone who has read John Maxwell's five levels um, of leadership, mm -hmm. I mean, in five in L, I think, I think it's like, like level two, you right. have to be likable, right? Because people should only work for people that they like, and That's you should right. only hire people that you like. So yes, if you don't make yourself likable, or you're not likable, mm -hmm. um, that would be probably step one in recruiting. Step right. one in recruiting, according to Jim, be likable. Yeah. But then it's network, right? Put yourself out there. The more people you know, the mm -hmm. more people you can share your story with, the more people that'll be curious, and you'll attract to join you in your effort and what you do. Right. What are some common mistakes you see people making? Uh, common mistakes. Let's see. There's so many. Uh, especially if you're using someone like myself and I'm calling somebody who's not necessarily waking up that morning saying I need to make a job change, right? Because a lot of times people will indulge me, listen, and be open-minded to a conversation, right? And the first thing that the hiring manager says is, why are you interested in coming to work here? Or why, 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 are, you, why are you thinking about leaving your company? You know, and that just sets a bad tone right out, right out of the gate. Well, I wasn't, and Jim called me, and I took this call as a courtesy, but already we're, we've got friction, right? Instead of, you know, hey, look, and I try to tell these guys, look, this guy doesn't have a white flag over his head saying, come save me. Yeah. I'm trying to set up an opportunity for you to build a relationship with somebody that is putting up some pretty heavy numbers. He's got some limitations, got a little bit of pain. Is it enough to move him? I don't know. Let's find out if it can be better here. I happen to think your company has a better edge in this, this, and that, and this is how we can get them. You know, so uh, it's interesting, though. I Over the years, when I first started in the business, right, I, was, I, was, I would go out and I would recruit for the company. It just it, it didn't matter. The, the, the candidates were my target. Okay. Now, today, 30 years later, the candidate and the client are both my clients. And so you really want to put the needs and the interests of the individual as high up as the needs and interests of the client. It has to be a win-win. It has to be. And it has to make sense for both. And look, here's, here's a good example. I have a guy uh, in the southeast somewhere. I can't say where, <laughs> but his office is closing 20 to $25 million a month, right? And had a client of mine, interview him, loved him, flew him up to corporate, made him an offer, $300,000 sign-on bonus, another $150,000 to his P&L, 100% forgivable, two-year contract. And at the time, pre, uh, right at, as the pandemic hit, right, you know, aggregators sort of went away and everybody's FICO scores went to a minimum 660. And well, now, uh, and at that time, he had to make a move. He's like, I, I got to get out of here. 43% back-end ratio. I, I, yeah. I have to go. Uh, so we got him this great deal, this tremendous offer, real economic advantage, uh, from a P and L standpoint, everything up and down the ladder. Well, now, you know, it didn't take long. These companies have sort of recovered back from that. They're back down to 620, 600. And, you know, he's still putting significant volume on the board and there's no way he can make a move right now. And I, and I told him that, you know, he was looking for a way to sort of backpedal because, 
it's a risk to undo that machine that he's already got up and running, right? So, you know, here I'm a recruiter, and if I was a ruthless recruiter, I'd be like, no, you got to take this. This is, you know, I would be selling, but instead, I told the guy, you need to stay where you're at. Yeah, timing's not right. Stay where you're at. It, it might not change the fact that where he is is not the best fit. No. But right now, leaving is more of a bad decision versus staying at a company that's a bad fit. No question. Maybe, maybe he can leave in yeah. Q4, Q1. Yeah, maybe when it slows down, if things don't change or things get worse. But for right now, there's no pain. There's not enough pain for you to make the move. And he appreciates that. And guess what? He'll always take my call. Yep. Because he knows my interest is not the money. It's not the, I'm not chasing the buck. It's about relationships doing the right thing yep. by the right Fo- people. Following the golden rule. That's Treat right. people the way that you want to be treated. Exactly. Um, so I want you to, to expound on this thought or theory of mine. And mine comes from um, the limited experience I do have over the past 10 years of hiring um, good, hiring bad, making good hiring decisions, bad hiring decisions, doing a little bit of, of what I call soft recruiting. So soft recruiting to me is someone was recommended to our organization mm-hmm. because of a personal relationship, either with me, one of my partners, or one of our associates. Okay. And we find out they're interested, at which point I will put on the tap shoes, I will put on the funny hat, <laughs> and I will go dance. Right. Right. I don't dance out of the gate. Um, you know, we don't go out and do any, any hardcore recruiting, mm-hmm. but I can definitely do the dog and pony show. Mm-hmm. So um, throughout the, the past decade of doing this, what I've realized, I've summarized recruiting in this way or recruits in this way. I have found, and I want to see if this is a similar experience or if you have uh, even more that you can expound on. I have found people leave for three reasons. Okay, the first reason is don't go there. Like you don't want that person, right? The issue that they're running from is the person in the mirror, meaning whatever their issue is with company X is going to be with company Y. The same issue with company Y is going to be company Z. The person needs to look introspectively in order to change if they really want to see change in their life or in their career. So then the second reason someone would leave would be solely opportunity, meaning they like where they currently work. They like the people they do it with. So unless I dangle an opportunity in front of them, Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to excite them. So my example of that would be the loan officer who's been in LO for the past seven years, but wants more out of her career. Maybe she wants to be a branch manager, one day an area manager, and her current company doesn't afford her that opportunity. She doesn't want to leave because she likes the people she does it with and she likes the money she makes. And for the most part, getting loans closed is pretty, pretty smooth. But she's at a point where she wants more. So my company or one of the companies you recruit for was willing to offer her more. Therefore, she makes the change. And then the third would be, I think that's the, the, what we chase, which is a solid professional who's really good at what they do. And for whatever reason, they find themselves in a bad situation. Right, bad situation in today's market would be, I love my company. I've been here for eight years and I close all this business, but we just had our warehouse line pulled. Mm-hmm. Meaning we're not funding loans the last two, three, four days of the well, month. Well that's 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 a serious yeah, that's a ser- that's a serious pain point. But as a recruiter, you hope that your phone call happens to come across that situation because that's a you have an immediate solution to their pain. But I would Certainly. guess that doesn't happen often. No. No, no, not that often. Uh, you know, when TRID came out, everybody was panicking about, oh, my gosh, this new process. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And today, everybody can close loans in, you know, 10, 12 days yep. if we need to, right? We figured it out. We adapted. Uh, so, uh, you know, it used to be that was how you recruited people, service issues. 
And amazingly, there are still service issues out there in this business, but largely technology drives everything today. So mm -hmm. service is not usually the angle anymore. And it has become pretty commoditized, I have to say. Uh, right now, I think the advantage is uh, for those platforms that have a low cost to produce, you know, if you remember in 2018 when margins compressed, yes. everything got real tight, right? And they were even talking about, people were even talking about loan officers have to take less money. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have to cut loan officer comp. Uh, you know, pricing was getting, you know, pricing was sort of all over the board. And there were still a few platforms out there that were originating loans for $6,000, whereas the industry average was 8700 now the industry average last year, I think, came back down to 7500 and the gap is closing, but there are still platforms that can originate loans at $6,000. That's a huge economic advantage as you go out there into the marketplace, right? And not that pricing is everything, because it's not. It is relationships. Uh, but in markets where it's very heavy conventional business, you know, that's a price. That's, a, that's a, certainly a price war. Um, so, so you would say there's actually in today's and 2020 going forward – those three categories of recruits are out there, but there's also people who, who it might just be about the economics. It, it might it just might, be about might, the economics. It, yeah. it might just be that they can make a little bit more money, mm -hmm. or they feel like they can win more business because maybe pricing or product is one in which will will benefit them. By well, making the Dustin, so Orlando, Central Florida is a relationship market, right? It's not pr as price sensitive, uh, unless you're in Windermere or something like that, right? But uh, when I, I know when I have an assignment in Orange County, California, or, okay. or Boston, yeah, those are heavy conventional markets, high bell markets, and it is a commodity. Okay. It, it's a commoditized search. You really are looking for somebody that has all of the tools in the kit, you know, pricing, service, all of that kind of stuff, but uh, can get out there with a razor sharp price. But you know, there are markets where it's more relationship driven. You know, and that typically you see fifty percent government type mixes in those markets where. You know, it's more of a relationship-driven type of type of deal. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. So we talked about sales professionals. Mm -hmm. Let's look at the operationals, the operational staff. Okay. Um, when I am looking to hire and recruit operational staff, which is the that's the big thing. Today. Oh, right now, yeah, right especially now. if you yeah. are recruiting, it's red hot. Yeah, I'm sure every mortgage lender has called you saying, "Jim, we need help finding underwriters." Uh, we placed uh, 31 underwriters last month. That dude, high five. That is that is crazy. That is some phenomenal. For anyone who knows anything about the recruiting industry, just know that Jim is killing it. Um, that is some phenomenal fee income right there. And, and, and congrats. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's more money you can dedicate to our uh, UCF Knights next year. Yes, sir. Well, yeah. My whole family is our, our Knight family. Yeah, go yeah. Knights. I'll, uh, I'll make sure we reach out to the athletic department. Like, yo, Jim's Char killing it. So uh, Charge on. Charge on. Make sure you hit him up for the yes, – uh, What's it called? The Black and Gold Society. Yes, sir. Um, no, so so operational staff, which, yes, right now it's red hot market, and there's not one mortgage lender in, in America that's not looking to add to their staff. Mm -hmm. But what are, like, what do you see mortgage companies doing? Where are they failing? Okay, here's In terms of why do, they, why do they lose their operational staff? And when they are hiring, what is it that gets someone to look your way versus staying where they are? Mm-hmm. I think you have to detach a little bit emotionally from the operational people uh, in terms of, you know, everybody wants this loyalty, right? Uh, that is one industry that's really become commoditized. Mm -hmm. When we talk to an underwriter, typically today, in today's environment, they already have two offers. They already have two offers that they're 
other companies they're talking to. And I'm assuming you're anticipating their current companies are probably going to counter any offer that, of course. that you put in front of them. Of course. I know I would. I uh, We walk them through resignation. We walk them through counteroffer non-acceptance, why you shouldn't ever take a counteroffer. Okay. If you were worth X today, why are you worth Y tomorrow? Okay. You know, so those kinds of things. We we very rarely lose anybody to a counteroffer. It's just not it's just not good practice. Gotcha. Uh, but, uh, yeah, in terms of the operations people, uh, we know when we call them that they're already being called, and every, and that's the other thing is um, if you rely on messages and you're you know you're call reluctant, afraid to pick up the phone and talk to these folks, those are, you're not going to have much success. They're getting their inboxes are full. They're having to delete thirty messages a day. You know, people trying to recruit uh, on the operations side. So, you know, my suggestion is if you're going to pick them up, if you're going to get people like that, you need to pick up the phone. Where companies are failing is just in that they're not again it's that it's that person-to-person contact uh the other thing is uh yeah you've got to be competitive Uh, unfortunately salaries are escalating i mean we're seeing crazy Mm -hmm. crazy salaries for underwriters even just plain conventional with no designations right now it's, it's insane what we're seeing out there and they know that if they are at the high end of the base they know that they're on the cut list when things slow down they don't care. They don't wow. care right now because it's you know what? You because so they, they, they acknowledge they, it. They acknowledge that they, yes, I may be quote unquote overpaid for my skill set. I'll deal with that when they uh, don't care because okay. they've been upsized and downsized their whole entire career. You look at an underwriter's resume, and it's not like you know you and I when our parents uh, were were in the working world, right? My, you know, your father would work 30 years at one company and retire with a pension. Yeah, my father was 40 plus years. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. And these underwriters, uh, they understand that they are, uh, they're they're sort of flex up, flex down, flex up, flex down. And a lot of their resumes look like travel itineraries because they've been everywhere, (laughs) you know. So, unfortunately, that's part of the business. Shameless plug. Mm -hmm. We don't have that problem here at Waterstone Mortgage, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. But I think you hit the nail on the head, which is... If you build a culture, if you invest in your people, oh, yeah. if you show appreciation, mm-hmm. because the goal would be, A, as an employer, as a mortgage company or an operator of a mortgage company, right? I don't want my people to pick up the phone. And if they do, I'm failing. If they pick up that phone and they listen, then I'm not doing my part of showing the love, of investing in them, of creating a work-life balance or or a, a harmonious um, yeah. work environment. No, you nailed it. So I have a client just like that. Uh, he's the owner of a very large mortgage company. And uh, he doesn't have a non-solicitor or non-compete agreement for his people, his branches. And they're very, I mean, they're doing a couple of billion a month. And uh, I said, I said, why don't you have these types of agreements restricting? He said, because if somebody leaves me, shame on me. Yeah. It's my fault. Well, that's the, the book I just, just finished um, by Jocko Willink, which is Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's taught. It's a leadership book. And it's literally talked about, you know, from the top, taking extreme ownership of, uh, of all actions. Yeah, I've been watching know? some of his videos. They're pretty, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. My wife actually found one and sent it to my 12-year-old and 15-year-old. And, I, and she includes us with like a family text. And I looked at it and I'm like, high five, Michelle. I'm like, you're, you're <laughs> tuning into Jocko because he's like kind of hardcore ex-Navy SEAL. Yeah. Um, but no, then so like that's as an employer, I need to be cognizant of that because I I want to make my work environment so plush that no one wants to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. But how do I break through the clutter 
when and if like, hey, yes, Waterstone Mortgage, we need underwriters. Waterstone Mortgage, we're hiring processors. How do I get someone to pick up our phone call and listen to our phone call? So shameless plug here for me. Uh, the the, 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 ad, the ad advantage of using a recruiter is that we are a quote-unquote unbiased third party. Okay. And we could direct this candidate in any number of directions. But here's why we feel like you should be considering Waterstone. And it's for these specific reasons. We see all the platforms. Here's why they're great. Uh, if you are doing it uh, internally here and you're representing, obviously, one brand because you work at Waterstone, then my advice would be, let me spend a few minutes and just tell you about why we're different from every probably everything else you're hearing out there. Just differentiate yourself, yeah. you know. But pick up the phone and talk to people. Yeah, you know. And and unfortunately, with with operations folks, well, not today so much because a lot of a lot of them are working at home. But prior to this, they were working in big open environments, and it was hard for them to have. We a, had to do night calls. Yeah, yeah, we had to work at night. And uh, not only that, which but it's, but it's harder to build a relationship with a operational sales support staff because they tend to be more Monday through Friday, eight to five, mm -hmm. and they're not leaving the office to go on coffee appointments or lunch appointments. Where on the sales side, it's pretty easy. Hey, let's just grab a beer together after lunch. Or after lunch, <laughs> that's that, that was the mortgage industry in the '90s. From <laughs> let's what I grab heard, a beer at lunch. At lunch, yeah. Um, but you know, let, let's grab coffee one morning because it, your your office hours aren't as rigid. Right, right, right. Um, but no, I'm trying to think. What else from me? Like recruiting, growth. How about this? I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Um, one of the themes of this of this show is everything you should have learned in high school but didn't. So here I am sitting with you, who who you you have your own company, right? So you are in, you are in charge of your own destiny. Mm -hmm. You grab the bull by the horns. Looking back, and you're a father and a grandfather. Yes. Which you don't look old enough to be a grandfather. Thank you. So that's either a, a testament to you and your youthful good looks, or it's just a reminder to me that I'm actually way way older than <laughs> I perceive myself to be. I have good doctors. You have good doctors. Perfect. Um, but no, thinking back on that, and, and this because you've you've been successful, you are successful. What do you wish you learned earlier in life, maybe even something that was taught to you in high school or something that, that you wish was taught to you um, from your parents but just wasn't? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, or if you could talk to your younger self 25 years ago. Yeah, 25 what, years what, ago. What would you tell yourself 25 years ago? 25 years ago, yeah. So somebody asked me a, a similar question recently uh, and on another podcast. They asked me, um, what would you say to somebody that wants to enter the industry, uh, somebody that was young? Would you advise them or not advise them? And I would definitely advise them. It's a wonderful business. Um, Is that recruiting or mortgages or both? Recruiting. Recruiting. recruiting yeah. Uh, I, I happen to love the mortgage business. I happen to love recruiting in the mortgage business. What I know is this what they'll put on my, you know, plant the flag in my grave there you go you know but uh i would say uh going back 25 years ago i would tell the younger me uh, focus more on the relationships um because that's really what matters people people are what are really what matter um build trust build relationships it took me a while to realize that when i was younger it was uh, it was all about you know, chasing the buck and it was a numbers game it was a numbers game smile and dial smile and dial yeah. and that whole thing and there just weren't even voices on the other end of the phone to me. They weren't. They were just targets. And um, you know, you you go through 2008. You know, when everything collapsed, and you realize uh, some things about just in your own personal life that are important to you. Right? It's it's you can have all the money in the world. You can have no money in the world. At the end of the day, 
it's your family, it's your friends, it's the people that mean anything to you, the value that you have on your relationships. And then that transcends into everything else, you know. And and the other thing I would say is, you know, I, prior to 2008, uh, you know, we, we did really well. Obviously, the subprime boom and everybody made money. And then post that and then kind of where we're at today. So, you know, post that, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of people went through a lot of pain, you know, when the markets crashed and things like that. So, um you know, the perspective that I got financially before, financially after, and kind of where we're at today is, uh, you know, be grateful, uh, give back, try to bless people that need it. That's what I try to do today is okay. do different things for people that, mm, you know, maybe, look, there's a lot of hurting people out there right now. Yes. You know, and we're blessed. We Dustin, are. We are blessed right we now. We are 100% blessed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very fortunate. Um, I was actually talking to... Um, my uncle calls me yesterday. Mm-hmm. He has this $30,000 loan. He has $30,000 left on his mortgage. Oh, nice. And he's like, hey, do you think I should refinance? And I asked him a couple questions. And I'm like, no. Like, you owe thirty grand. Like, why don't you just write a check and get this thing paid off soon, you know? Yeah. Um, but we were chatting about just the overall economic um, um, you know, situation that we're all in. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because most people that he talks to, it sounds like who you talk to and I talk to, it's either like, oh my God, we're crushing it. Like whatever industry we we are in, we're not only are we sheltered from this, but we're actually thriving because of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other half. It's like, no, the exact opposite. So yeah. for those that that are, I love your encouragement because you're basically encouraging yourself, me, my uncle, to hey, look, don't just acknowledge that things are going well for you, but actually step up and help those that are are feeling the negative impact of of what's transpiring. I, right. um, I absolutely love that. So your company is Verity Search. Yes, sir. Verity, the name. Where did, where did it come from? Uh, it, it means honesty, truth, and integrity. And that's kind of our founding okay. basis for who we are. Which isn't found very frequently in recruiting. No, no. You know, there's there's good recruiters, there's bad recruiters, there's good loan officers, there's bad loan officers. In any good doctors, industry, bad doctors, good, good teachers. Good lawyers, yep. bad lawyers, yep. yeah. So, Across the board. So we try to uh, sort of conduct ourselves at a level above and uh, again really focused on people so you and i are on the same elevator and this time i'm like hey i have like six floors to go because the building that we're in we're on the sixth floor is only six stops actually that'd be five stops right mm-hmm. um if you're starting on the first floor but in that short elevator ride why should i quit trying to recruit on my own and reach out to you and your team at verity to have the experts recruit on my behalf because i'm not out writing mortgage loans i'm not out networking with realtors i'm not out trying to bring in new mortgage volume i could i've never taken a 1003 in my life Uh, that's your expertise my expertise is in recruiting and getting to the heart of the matter with potential recruits who will open up and tell me about what's in their heart what's on their mind they won't necessarily tell uh a company's representative that they'll tell me because I'm an impartial third party, right? Necessarily. So, uh, they understand that I'm not trying to spin them into a deal in the 10 minute phone conversation yep. that I'm trying to build a long-term relationship with them. When they look me up, they can see it. They see all my social media. They know who I am and they can verify that it's not just a, a tagline, you know? Yeah. That's fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, he's Jim Bogus. 
Bogus. Bogus. Bogus. Bogus. I said that on purpose because he is not Jim Bogus. There's nothing bogus about what he does. He is Jim Bogus. His company is Verity Search. If they want to get a hold of you, Jim, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn or or uh, VeritySearch.com. VeritySearch.com, and that is V-E-R? V-E-R-I-T-Y. I-T-Y, search.com. That's right. Jim, thank you so much for taking your time to come be on the, on the Loan Officer Podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank I'm you Dio. so much. He's Jim Bogus, and we're out. <laughs>